Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Kimberly Osgood, your host of Smart Money Moves. And our topic today is things to consider before filing your taxes. And our special guest today is Ms. Joy Dow with Northwestern Mutual. Good afternoon, Joy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing, Kimberly? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. Um, Now, our topic for today deals with saving money on your taxes and the things to consider before filing. Now, before we discuss that topic, first tell us about yourself, about your business, what you do, and how you got started. Yeah, great. Thanks thanks for having me. Happy to be here as well. Um, So I know we're a little bit close to tax time, so some of these tips might be relevant right now, but some of them will hopefully be relevant and impactful for next year. Mm -hmm. So basically, a little bit about me. I'm a certified financial planner. I've been with my current firm for over seven years at this point. I think I just had an anniversary at the beginning of the month. And um, really love what I do. I'm super passionate about helping people and making an impact in the work that I do. Um, And currently, I would say some of the demographics and the people that we serve, I am very passionate about empowering uh, women (laughs) in regards to their financial planning. I've just found over the years that we're an underserved community because, unfortunately, our male counterparts are more likely to kind of raise their hand and be interested in this stuff than women. And then we also serve a lot of people being in San Diego in the tech and biotech community Hmm. that have um, equity compensation of some sort and have a lot of questions. But I would say overall, um, we're just happy and passionate to help people that are successful, um, growth-minded people in business that want to grow and um, maintain their wealth. Okay, okay. And what got you started into the business? Um... Yeah, so honestly, by accident, I found this opportunity. Um, I was approached while I was finishing my last year of college and started as a part-time advisor while I was in still in school, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was finishing up a degree in teaching. And obviously, I didn't get into education for a profit, <laughs> um, but more so to make an impact. And when I found that financial planning would allow me to only do well for myself by doing good for others. I felt like this was the career for me. I really love um, being in a position to guide and direct people. Um, so it's, it's like teaching, but it's not uh, high school uh, school students about English. It's rather mm-hmm. adults about their money. <laughs> so it's fun. Mm. So okay. Do you ever do parallel, seminars? Kinda. Do you ever do seminars or anything? Um, like lunch and learns, like some some agents do? Yeah, you know, actually, we just hosted one about a month and a half ago. 
virtually right before Valentine's Day. We had over 30 people attend. It was all about maximizing money in relationships right around yeah. Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also um, done one in the past for like women in tech and understanding equity compensation and, and others um, as well. But those are some of the two top ones that we found a lot of value in. Oh, great, great. Okay. Now, we are in the tax season. Uh, the date of file is April the 18th, and some of our listeners may have already filed their taxes, but you, I'm sure there are those, you know, you have those individuals that wait to the last minute, uh, so there are probably some who haven't yet filed. What can our listeners do to prepare to file their taxes, let's say those that still need to file uh, on the 18th? Yeah, so I think from a preparation standpoint, right, like a lot of people just don't have great organizational skills when it comes to their finances. So from just a very basic level is having a one-stop place that all of you and your spouse or your family store documents so that Mm -hmm. come tax time, it's easy to access or not just coming tax time. Let's say you were approached by a financial planner like myself and you have no idea where anything's at, it's going to slow down the process to be able to file. And if you're expecting any type of return or, you know, um, anything like that, that could slow down that process as well. So that's number one. Number two, I would say, is you need to consider, like, what your current taxable income is. And thinking about not just what your taxable income is today, but what it will be potentially in the future. And that could change the way that you may or may not want to save money. So a couple of things, you know, living in California, I always ask, hey, Joy, what can I be doing to pay less in taxes? And unfortunately, there's no unicorn um, tax shelter that the IRS doesn't know about. But there are things that you can be strategically thinking about. So if you're looking to pay less in taxes, things that you'd want to look for are called tax deductions. Mm -hmm. And those would come from a couple of key areas. One of the major tax deductions would be through a 401k. A lot of times people think the max and the match that they're given by their employer are the same. So they might say, Joy, I'm maxing out my 401k but they might only be putting in 6% because that's what their employer is matching. Mm-hmm. And that 6% could be, for example, $10,000, but the IRS limit for 2023 now is $22,000. So that's an additional deduction that they're missing out and leaving on the table. And that can have some pretty big tax implications if both them um, and their spouse do the same. Mm-hmm. So that's an easy one. Another one I oftentimes see people um, missing or overlooking is a health savings account. Okay. Now, you do have to have a high deductible health plan, mm-hmm. but it allows you as a family to put over $7,000 tax deductible away to be used for health expenses. That account can be invested, which grows in a tax-deferred environment. And if access oh. for qualified health care expenses... And or if accessed after 65, that money basically acts like an IRA and can also come out um, after retirement, after 65, penalty-free. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of, like, cool benefits um, with that. I would say those, you know, those are some obvious ones that sometimes people are missing out on. Now, you talk about um, the health savings um, plan, um, high deductible. Now, what about versus a copay? 
great question. So, yeah, so depending on the type of health plan you have, and by, and I'm by no means an expert, but I certainly know enough to be dangerous, I'd say. So there's <laughs> going to be like a copay, like a copay only, meaning like the only thing you have to come out of pocket is a small copay, $10, $25, very marginal amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, sometimes things will be fully covered. Then you're going to have a high deductible plan that might be a thousand or two thousand dollars, meaning you might have a copay which goes mm-hmm. towards your deductible, and then mm-hmm. you might also have some out of pocket costs for healthcare. So where the HSA would kick in is let's say the difference between the no deductible or plan and the high deductible plan is fifty dollars a month. Well, you can mm-hmm. start putting that fifty dollars a month into your HSA, your health savings account. And then if you need it, you can access it. But if you don't, it can be saved and grow versus you paying for the cost of insurance and you never go to the doctor because you're super healthy. That's a sunk cost to you. Whereas the HSA has flexibility for you, you know, when you need it, but also in the context of a longer term retirement picture or strategy. Okay. Talk a little bit about the IRA plans. I know you have the traditional and then there's the Roth IRA. Uh, explain the difference between the two and, and the different uh, benefits from, from either of each of those for savings. Yeah, absolutely. So traditional IRAs um, are the same thresholds of savings limits as Roth. So if you have, you have a total of $7,500 per year if you're over 50. And $6,500 if you're under 50. Okay. And um, basically, traditional is a pre-tax savings account. Now, there's rules if basically if you're over a certain income level, which is most people, and or you have access to a 401k, you can only deduct your 401k or your IRA. You can't deduct both, right? Oh, okay. So... Yeah, so you can do the 22500 and not do the traditional, or you, if you don't have access to a, an employer plan, you are able to access that um, 6500 tax deductible. And what tax deductible means is, for example, if you made $100,000 and you are now deducting that $6,500, in the IRS's eyes, you've now had $93,500 of income. Mm-hmm. So that's the deduction. So you pay taxes on less money, basically. Oh, okay. Um, the the money will accumulate in a tax sheltered environment, meaning any dividends or interest income are not being taxed. And then when you go to access it, assuming this is after fifty nine and a half, you will have to pay taxes on every dollar you take out, like ordinary right. income that you earn today. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with a Roth, it's not going to benefit you, listeners, here at tax time. There is no tax deduction today, but let's say, for example, you put in $100,000 into a Roth, and then 30 years from now, that hundred's now worth 400000 Well, that's $300,000 of growth. Mm-hmm. or money that you now have accessible that you will never pay taxes on mm-hmm. because when you access those dollars, it comes out completely income tax free. 
So where that can be relevant is not the tax time that you have today, but the tax time you have 30 or 40 years from now. Okay. Because if I take out, let's say, $100,000 out in retirement, well, the IRS shows I made Mm $0. So it will allow you to actually drop and lower your tax bracket later in retirement. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Now, um, we're going to take a quick moment and recognize one of our sponsors. Uh, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe. With over 170,000 alumni worldwide, thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. Now back to our show, which is Smart Money Moves. And with us, we have uh, uh, Ms. Joy Dow with Northwestern Mutual. And we've been talking about various ways that you can save on your taxes. Now, you just talked about the difference between the Roth and the traditional IRA. What are some other vehicles? Um, Let's say uh, the 529 plan uh, that some people use. Uh, What are some other vehicles that people can use to help? Yeah, absolutely. So, 529 plans are a really great option for college savings. So they basically function like a Roth that is usable primarily for education. Now, um, about three years ago, they passed the SECURE Act. And what that allowed people to do inside of a 529 account is now not just access a 529 for college, but they opened it up to all education, so private Mm. school, you know, K through 12, basically. Mm. And then the other thing that the SECURE Act 1.0 allowed parents to do, or students, excuse me, I should say, is they allowed them to use up to $10,000 of their 529 to pay for student loans, meaning if you were able to take out a student loan and pay for, like, a car or books or something that is normally not covered inside of a 529 as a quote-unquote education expense, you would be able to pay off that student loan. So it's one way to kind of access those funds for a more of a black box object versus strictly education. The other thing that a lot of people need to understand is it's not just for education expenses. When it comes out tax-free, it can also be used for room and board. So oftentimes in universities, the cost of living on campus plus a meal plan and fees is sometimes more expensive than the tuition itself. (laughs) So that's a huge advantage because a lot of times people will say to me, hey, Joy, like what if my kid's smart and they get a scholarship? Nine times out of ten, that scholarship's not inclusive of room and board. So the 529 will still be very relevant. Um, And then lastly, with the SECURE Act 2.0, which just came to pass in December of last year, 2022, basically they're allowing now parents to be able to move over up to $35,000 from that 529, and that's a fixed amount not indexed for inflation, into a Roth IRA for their children. Oh, wonderful. Which is kind of crazy because if you think about it, like if they've been putting in money since they were a child, 
that $35,000 will have accumulated tax-free for basically their entire life. Um, so that's, that's really, really cool. And then um, that's just another advantage. of. The, but the 529s are really cool in the sense that the money goes in after tax. It all comes out tax-free, but it has to be used for educational purposes. Otherwise, you are taxed on a penalty and pay tax on the gain when you take it okay. out, if not for education. Yeah. Okay, great. Great information. Now, just in case our listeners may want to reach you after our show, how would you like our listeners to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to shoot me an email. My email is joy.n, as in Nancy, dot dow at nm.com. And either myself or a member of my team would be happy to get in touch with you to schedule some time. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Now, um, a lot of our listeners uh, have side gigs. They're running businesses. They're not necessarily employees. Uh, So if you have a business or a side gig, uh, having a CP and a good profit and loss, is that – would you advise that? Yeah, that that is definitely something I would say. So – um, when I come in contact with people who are self-employed or they are starting their own business or they have a side hustle, oftentimes what I find is that they're kind of running their finances through their personal and mm-hmm. are tracking things all over the place. So the first thing I would say if you have a side gig is getting an accountant, uh, a CPA preferably, and a great bookkeeper would be a great investment. Now, if you're a solopreneur and it's super, super small scale, maybe we don't need a bookkeeper. But what you should be using is um, there's QuickBooks for business. It's an app you can get on your phone. You can swipe right and left for business versus personal expenses. It also tracks your miles if you're driving for work as well, which are deductible. Right. So making sure that you're really maximizing those deductions, especially like if you do you have a side business and you're using your phone for that business, well, you should be deducting that from your business account, not your personal expenses and line items and having a good CPA or bookkeeper or financial advisor to be pointing those things out is going to allow you to have more tax deductions, which means you get to make the same amount of income but pay less of it to the government, which is always great, legally, of course. And then the other thing that I would say is having a profit and loss to know if your investments are profitable, meaning if you spend $2,000 on a business coach and six months later you're you know, negative from a revenue standpoint, did that investment really work? Was it profitable? It might have felt good, but you know, the investment didn't have value. Or if you bought supplies that you thought would make your store shop or whatever look better, but it hasn't increased foot traffic, that would be something that you'd want to take a look at and be able to track through those statements. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You mentioned those apps, and I've used the, the apps before. Those are great because um, I, I drive, you know, so I do deduct my mileage. Uh, business right. lunches, and you can just swipe with a personal or business. And I've had the, they have the ones that you can actually snap a picture of your receipts and keep them on file. You know, whether they're business or personal, those are wonderful. Those are apps, those business apps are fantastic. So I'd advise anyone to get those. Um, let's see here. Um, 
What about, uh, I know you talked about, you mentioned here about non-qualified accounts with tax losses. Explain a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's a great question. So when you think about a year like last year, uh, which other than 2020 uh, was really, you know, a, a big shocker to a lot of people, they realized that their investments can sometimes go down. Mm-hmm. And I say that for, you know, younger generation of people who haven't, didn't directly invest and have skin in the game during 2008. So that was a big wake up for a lot of people. And the silver lining in non-qualified accounts is that sometimes you will have losses and you can use them or harvest them to further offset gains down the road. And when the market's always going up, as it has done for the past almost decade, you didn't really have a lot of losses to harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in these non-qualified accounts, basically, we can say, hey, we've got these losses from our stocks. We're going to lock those in. And, and later, whenever we go to sell these, these stocks or these equities and we have gains, we can use those harvested or banked up losses to offset those gains. So later down the road, when I do want to access this capital, I can do so in a more tax advantaged way. The other thing that I would note is like these are non-retirement accounts. So the gains and losses wouldn't really be relevant inside a retirement account because there's no tax implications of that at those Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Okay. The non-retirement accounts. Now, um, um, real estate, that's something I also sell real estate, and I know that is a great investment, and I know there are things you can write off with real estate, depreciation, what have you. Go into the aspect to talk a little bit about real estate and about writing off certain expenses for real estate. Yeah, great question. So when it comes to real estate, the biggest thing you want to make sure you're doing is depreciation. If this is an investment property. You can't depreciate your own personal primary residence, though you can take your mortgage interest deduction. Mm -hmm. That deduction, though, as people in California are more aware of than the rest of the country, because it's typically not relevant to them, is that you can only do that up to $750,000 of property value, that interest deduction, so that you're limited on that. Now, if you have an investment property, which is kind of what we're talking about here, is you can depreciate that over 27 years, meaning they basically divide the value of the property over 27 years and allow you to deduct a specific amount each and every year. Mm-hmm. So that provides a tax deduction. Mm-hmm. On top of that, just as you were mentioning, if you're you know, driving to and from that property, if you're talking, if you're spending time and talking to your tenants and hiring property managers and you're doing that from various resources that you use personally, sometimes that can allow you to deduct those expenses as business expenses if they're being used in that way frequently. So there's other avenues that through having that entity of an investment property and ideally putting it into a legal entity like an LLC, you're now able to take tax deductions because that is a business because you're generating income, which means you can also generate deductions. So having that type of entity can be valuable from a tax standpoint 
and the accessibility of it. Right. Okay. Now, I know one thing that um, when you're self-employed that I, I tend to take advantage of is, and some people may or may not know this, but your medical expenses. I know when I sit down with my tax person, um, I'm able to uh, write off the, like if I have a copay or if I paid any medical bill or even the mileage to and from my doctor's office, uh, my dentist's office, uh, your pharmacist, if you've gotten any prescriptions, they'll give you a statement for the year, and you can take that to your tax person also, and that that's something you can write off. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I do that. And do you, you know, um, do, uh, do you advise that to your clients if they have medical expenses, or even their insurance premium? Yeah, it's a great question. So, if you're if you're self-employed, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, if you're a W-2 employee, medical expenses are not deductible unless they're over the 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. Right. So we'd, which a lot of people, that would be a high number of medical expenses, likely above co-pays and things of that nature. But to your point, Kim, as a self-employed person, it's a dollar-for-dollar deduction as an Mm -hmm. expense. So there are some benefits of running it through that self-employed arm if you're paying for your health insurance yourself versus if your employer is covering all of that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Now, recently, I I work out with a personal trainer three days a week, and the other day I was uh, working out with their group of us at Workout, and um, one of my person who I work out with, she said, well, you know, you can write off, you know, he charges us so much per session. She said, you can write that off too in your clothes. I'm like, what? She said, if your doctor, let's say your doctor says, well, you need to lose weight, you need to do this. And if he advises you to go to a trainer or work out, she said that the fees that we pay are write off. And I had never heard that. Is that, have you come across that? I wasn't aware of that. Great question. That is something I'm not familiar with. Okay. I would. What I would say is you would want to look into the um, parameters around like health savings accounts mm-hmm. and things of that nature, because those would probably align closely to what you're discussing. But I can't okay. speak to that specifically. Yeah. But what I can say is I don't think that that's covered in health savings accounts, which leads me to believe okay. it probably wouldn't be covered. Yeah. For... I've never heard that. Because <laughs> he charges yeah. a fee for every session. She said, oh, you can write that off. I said, really? <laughs> okay. Now, um, yeah, worth trying. <laughs> I'll ask my tax person. <laughs> now, we have a few minutes left. Uh, please uh, tell us again how listeners may reach you after our show. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to hear from anyone. I think email is best. My best email is joy, J-O-Y, dot N as in Nancy, dot Dow, D-O-W, at N-M, dot com. Okay, wonderful. So um, she has a lot of good information, uh, so please give Joy a call. She's very knowledgeable, been in the business for a number of years. Uh, you know, give her a call, give her an email. Uh, before we go, I know you have some accomplishments. She said you are a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. And um, yep. uh, what does this say here? Only 20% of advisors have this. That's quite, a, quite an accomplishment. And now what is your ranking? You ranked kind of high at your firm, right? What is that, 6% it says? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as I mentioned, I've been with the firm for about just over seven years at this point. And um, for the females in our company, I've ranked in um, the top, well, excuse me, for advisors in general, the top 6%. And, you know, previously for my tenure, I've been like the top 10 um, in the company. Oh, that's wonderful. And you say that only 20% of advisors have an actual certified financial planning certification. I think that's wonderful. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's a board certification, so we're held to different standards and levels of, of care and planning, um, which is right. a fiduciary capacity. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that says you're quite an expert. And so I say to any of our listeners out there, please give Joy a call, especially if you haven't, maybe if you haven't uh, filed your taxes yet, maybe there's some things that Joy can talk to you about, but she's wonderful, excellent financial, certified financial planner. Uh, She's with Northwestern Mutual, an excellent company. So by all means, is there anything final you'd like to say before we close out? Um, yeah, I think the last thing I would just say is, you know, if anyone's in need or of strategy or, or clarity around their planning, we'd be happy to have an initial conversation. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, so definitely give her a call, and she can probably help you. And if you're a business owner, if you are if you're in, uh, work for a company, definitely give Joy a call. Uh, and I want to thank you again, Ms. Joy, for being uh, my guest today. You've given our listeners quite a bit to think about and ways that they can save money on their taxes. And I think we all want to save money. <laughs> we all want to do that. But uh, thank you again. And that's our show for today. And I'd like to say thank you to Ms. Joy Dow for being our special guest. And a special thanks to all of our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We are expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast. So for now, we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It has been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.